We continue worshiping God now as we come to Him in His Word in 2 Timothy chapter 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains Faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. The word of the Lord. Amen. And so we continue in this sermon series through the book of Second Timothy together. Guarding, as we heard last week, the good deposit that God has given us in the gospel. What Paul will later call fighting the good fight. But now here in chapter 2, a chapter packed with real life images of how to live this out. And so we guard the gospel. We guard this deposit by being strengthened by God's grace. I like how Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrases these first couple verses in the message when he writes, So, my son, throw yourself into the work for Christ. Pass on what you've heard from me. The whole congregation saying, Amen to reliable leaders who are competent to teach others. When the going gets rough, take it on the chin with the rest of us the way Jesus did. And so we are called into this good work together. And we do that by being strengthened by the good news of the gospel, the grace of Jesus Christ. We're strengthened by God's grace to do, let's be honest, a difficult task. 
One scholar noted that Gideon's a great picture for what this work that we're called to do looks like. You remember Gideon? Some of you in the Old Testament, Gideon was tasked with fighting the Midianites. And in that battle, he had just 32,000 soldiers from Israel, while his opponent had 135,000. Well, as this scholar did the math for us, let me tell you, that is four to one in advantage to the enemy. But God didn't like those odds, but not like how you might think. And so he weeded out about 22,000 of those Israelite soldiers until the ratio is now not four to one, but now 13 to one in favor of the enemy. But God wasn't done weeding out the soldiers he would select for this task until it finally got down to just 300 soldiers. 450 to one advantage. Why would God call Gideon and his people to such a difficult task? Why would God weed those numbers out? Well, he wanted us to know something. For Gideon would win the day for the glory of God, and God didn't want there to be any mistake of who it was actually won the battle. The battle was the Lord's, and the Lord would win the day for his people. And that picture is true then, and it's true now for us as we come to this difficult task of sharing the good news with the world around us. We're reminded indeed here to guard the gospel and not ourselves. And as we do that, God asks for our effort to be sure like he did in the days of Gideon. But he wants us to know that it's his strength that brings the victory. Remember, even timid Timothy was called to bold, to bold faith, bold proclamation. And as we get into this chapter, we discover that we do that through guarding the gospel by guarding our hearts, not for our sake, but for God's purposes. Towner wrote that this should be the desire of every Christian to be set apart exclusively for God's purposes, to be useful for whatever God's desire may be, to stand ready and available, available for whatever good work God wants us to do. And we're ready for the sake of God's kingdom and ready for others because of love. God's love for us poured out into us, then we get called to share that with others. We guard our hearts when we realize that we go against the opponents not to win the battle per se, but to win their hearts for the glory of God. Not just to win the argument. It was not because of your good argument that would lead someone to Christ. It's because of the grace impugned in you and shown through you. And so we hear following Jesus 
is a tough calling. It was tough for Timothy, and it's tough for us. And following Jesus in this secular age hasn't gotten any easier. Sharing the gospel in a world that resists or even uh, passing on the faith to our kids in a busy, jam-packed, entertaining world may sometimes seem as impossible as that battle that Gideon faced. But it becomes possible by the strength of God's grace. And it becomes possible by the love poured out for, from God for us. When you know that you are loved, then you want to bear it. So this chapter gives us some practical handles on how to do that with six metaphors for a practical way of following Jesus in the real world. We're going to take a look at three of them today. Three ways to guard our hearts, not for ourselves, but for the glory of God. As we get geared up now for this work, we're reminded from 2 Timothy, right from the beginning, that it's not about simply trying harder. We'll hear about effort in just a moment. But we don't do this work simply by our own strength. It's tempting for you and for me, if those of us who follow Jesus, to maybe think, well, maybe it, it's not working out because I'm not trying hard enough. And it's not that God isn't asking for effort. He's asking you not to try harder. He's asking you to remember more. To remember whose you are and the God who's in you. And out of that promise, we'll be bold. For God will reap the harvest through you. For we don't follow to get the reward. We follow because we have been rewarded. I like how Pastor Timothy Keller put it. Religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted. But Christianity says, I am accepted, therefore I obey. So it's not about trying harder. It's remembering what God has done. And so right away in this second chapter, we're reminded of the hope of the resurrection, the sure and certain hope that we have in Christ. The grace that he pours out in us is the strength for the battle ahead. But if we aren't a Christian gathered here today, then you might wonder why even obey at all? Well, it's the same reason. The hope of the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. We don't rest on philosophies. We rest on a historical reality revealed to us in God's word. The historical reality of the resurrection. If Christ has raised from the dead and the first witnesses point to that, then everything changes. With Christ risen and alive, then he changes everything in us and in the world around us. So trust in this historical reality. Trust in this promise that gets revealed to us from flesh and bone to new life to transformed hearts. Remember the victory over death gives us evidence for this. And so let's take a look at what's happened here and this way of doing life that God gives us. This way of life will not be bound by the troubles of this life. The church father Christopher said that you can bind God's word no more than you can bind a sunbeam. God's word will get out through you. 
God's word will not be bound. It will proclaim the goodness of God to all the world through you. Through you who guard your heart. Who guard your heart by coming to that grace, to that resurrection hope. By praying as we prayed together in the psalm reading today. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Our hearts are transformed by that grace. So that as we are transformed, then we teach transgressors his ways. We become bold in teaching this promise. Bold with patience, bold with kindness, bold with love, bold with truth. The Word gives us now these ways of doing it. The first image He gives us is that of a soldier. You're called and I'm called to be a soldier for Christ. A soldier has a single-minded focus, the Scripture tells us, on his or her mission. To follow the marching orders. And those marching orders come from Jesus Himself. And so we don't get distracted by civilian affairs. Now don't misunderstand that phrase. It's telling us as we'll learn later, not to get into quarrels, quarrelsome fights that take away from the gospel. It's not telling us to not bring the gospel to the world around us. You can imagine pretty quickly, I'm sure, what some of those uh, quarrels are in our world today, especially show up in Twitterverse and Facebook, right? And just when you hit send, you think to yourself, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Because we're angered by an idea or by a, a, a thought instead of wanting to win that person over to the Lord's purposes, we just want to win the argument. And so God is reminding us to have a heart in all things, even on social media, for the sake of bringing people to the glory of God and to salvation. So that means it's not getting into civilian affairs when you bring the gospel to your work or to your home or to your uh, place of recreation. These are the battlefields that God's given us to share the good news and keep that single-minded focus. To be focused on these duties as to the Lord. And as we're focused on those duties, we do it. We do it by the the grace and the mercy and the guardrail of God's word. And so athletes who finish the race, that's the next image we get, they do so by following the rules. We've seen so often, haven't we, uh, after drug tests, athletes who have been stripped of their crown. The scripture tells us you don't win a crown if you don't follow the rules. In the world that we live in today that's so apt to abandon these guardrails, God reminds us again, that we represent Christ, guard our hearts, and guard the gospel by following His Word. We also learn together that it does take effort. We're not saved by trying harder. We're not under the law. But we do, in fact, get called by God to toil the soil, turn the soil over like a good farmer who works the harvest. And so, yes, it will take effort. It will take hard work. 
As one uh, ancient bishop said, there are no spiritual gains without pains. So guarding the good deposit means doing the work that God has called us to do. But listen, this is important. We do all this and we're able to do this work of the soldier and of the athlete and of the farmer because Christ is the good soldier. He laid down His life, made the ultimate sacrifice for us. That's why we can endure suffering. And so we soldier on because Christ has gone ahead of us. Christ is the athlete that has finished the race. Even when we get tripped up by our sin and come anew every morning to that Psalm 51 for redemption again, even when we fall short, we know that Christ completes the race on our behalf, so therefore we can keep running. And Christ is the Lord of the harvest. He does the work that is pleasing to God. And although our work will never be fully good enough, Christ's good work on the cross is complete. And so the God who made the soil and the sun now calls us to reap the harvest He is prepared. So we follow that Lord of the harvest. Christ is sufficient. And as we hear at the end of those images, if we have died with Him, we'll also live with Him. If we endure with Him, we'll reign with Him. If we deny Him, He'll deny us. And if we are faithless, He will remain faithful for He cannot deny Himself. And so we live like a soldier like a farmer, like an athlete, in these ways, guiding and doing, being guided by these guardrails of God's Word. Not just as guardians, but as messengers. To boldly share this message. Even when it's hard, even when it seems impossible, even when it seems, as the end of the chapter reminds us, that there are those who have gone so far astray but I like how one translator puts those final words of this chapter when he writes, someday, someday they may return. So we remain faithful in proclaiming this good word to our families and to our loved ones and to our friends and to our neighbors because someday they might be pierced by the heart of God anew and be transformed again by God's grace. To give you some encouragement in this someday hope, I'll tell you the story of oh, some good workers after the fall of communism, a missionary organization called Co-Mission, who sent a team to Stavropol. And when that team experienced difficulty getting Bibles from Moscow to their city to distribute, they'd heard a story that one of the, in part, out on the outskirts of town, there was a warehouse holding confiscated Bibles that had actually not been destroyed but were still there. And one of the workers got brave and asked a, a city official if they could get access and have those Bibles. And they said, of course. And so they were amazed by this opportunity. And so they hired day laborers to go and get these Bibles from the warehouse. One of the helpers was a young man, a, a young uh, agnostic, really, hostile to the faith. 
just coming for a day's wage, loading the trucks of Bibles from this warehouse that they would later distribute. When it got close to the end of the work, they realized that this young man had gone missing. They needed to find him. And he had held himself up in a corner. They found him holding a Bible, weeping. Weeping because a Bible that he happened to pick up and that he happened by God's grace to open had in it inscribed in the very handwriting of his own grandmother her name. A woman persecuted for the faith. A woman who surely had prayed for her grandchildren to come to know the Lord. Now, sitting before him is his grandmother's Bible. Testifying to that promise. And the Lord, for him that someday was that day, his heart was pierced by the hope of the salvation that God has for us. The effort of those Christians did not return in vain, for God's work was now being made complete. God's word can no more be chained by the circumstances of this world. No, it's not bound. When we guard this good deposit and guard our hearts, we do more than protect it. We pass it on. So guard your hearts, soldiers of Christ. Guard your hearts with the guardrails of God's race, athletes. Be the good farmer that turns the soil for the gospel. Let the Lord of the harvest lead you. And let us, as we guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, do the good work of the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, and be found faithful. Faithful under the seal of salvation, won for us by the power of the resurrection in Christ Jesus on the cross. Oh, that we would all gather here today, return to Him. And oh, that we would all, who have fallen astray, let this be that someday that we return to Him. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.